Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, a few days early. I, I hope you all have opportunity to uh, celebrate with family and friends this week. If you are here and you say, you know, I don't really know what I would be thankful for, here's one. Be thankful that you don't live in Buffalo, New York. <laughs> now, I have a bit of an echo up here, guys. Thank you for adjusting that, whatever that little feedback is. Um, but Thanksgiving, for me, and probably for lots of you, it's one of my favorite um, holidays, partly because it's not all caught up with a hoopla and commercialism. It's kind of just a sweet day to gather and enjoy an insane amount of food and uh, consider all the things that we're grateful for. If you know about the history of Thanksgiving, you know that it began as a, a very small community's response and then uh, a colonial response and then eventually our nation's response to God's provision and protection because gratitude or feeling grateful is, is really a, an, an experience that's universal. It, it, it's known to all. It's something that really everyone experiences I mean, if, if when good things happen, for example, or you've just come through a really rough stretch, there's just something instinctive in us, this automatic feeling of gratefulness. For some, it's thank goodness. For others, it's literally thank God. We, we feel thankful. We're, we're grateful. But when it comes to expressing our gratefulness to other people, Sometimes it's not so natural. Sometimes we withhold it. And when we withhold gratitude, we can actually create kind of a glitch, kind of a gap in the relationship. There's just, it feels like unfinished business. Something is incomplete. And if it goes on too long, it can even be kind of undermining to a health relationship. Or to put it bluntly, few things sting more than ingratitude, am I right? <laughs> a while back, one of our grandkids was getting ready to graduate from high school, and um, we wanted to give a, a sizable monetary gift to help support their next step to, to college. And so we were pretty excited um, to, to hear their response when they saw the amount, because we knew that it would be very, very helpful to them. But time went by and nothing, <laughs> not a word, <laughs> it, it kind of stung, it kind of hurt. I wanted to say, kids, <laughs> always express thanks for any gift, let alone one that costs so much. Because what's true is, failing to express gratitude translates to the, the other person as ingratitude which stings because ingratitude says, I don't recognize what you've done. I don't see your effort. I don't acknowledge your sacrifice. So it hurts, which is odd because the other person didn't really do anything to us, right? They just didn't do anything. It, you, you thought they'd make the return. You know, they'd hit the tennis ball back over the net, so to speak. You, you thought that, uh, that, that once you hit that ball over the net, they'd just hit it back, but they stood there and let it hit the fence behind them. <laughs> there are few things that are more hurtful than ingratitude. There's a famous story from the life of Jesus, 
And every time I read this, I'm more and more convinced about the importance of gratitude. And, in, and we find the story in the book of Luke in chapter 17, starting at verse 11, and it reads this way. Now it happened as he went, that's Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem and he passes through these regions of Samaria and Galilee. He travels through places that could be considered places of rejection. These are places where people of mixed race, people, people reside here who are Gentiles mixed with Jewish um, blood, we could say Samaritans. They were viewed uh, as, as half-breeds, there was an awful lot of animosity, a lot of discrimination in, in, in experienced by these folks. They had known a lot of rejection. And in, it is in this place that Jesus stops by. It is to this place that he comes. I love that about Jesus, that he loves to go to places where rejects abide people who've known rejection. He likes to go to places uh, that nobody puts on their bucket list to visit one day. Nobody puts these places on their list of great vacation spots. He makes it his business to go and, and be in situations where there, there are people who have been pushed to the side and people who've been forgotten. The scripture says he came to a certain place, an unknown place, an unnamed place, and it says, there he came across these 10 lepers. They have a disease called leprosy. And a lot of you probably have heard of leprosy through, through the scripture readings in the past. But the most common kind of leprosy began with, began with a sense of lethargy and pain in the joints. And then soon, discolored patches and nodules would appear on the face, making the face unrecognizable. The body would be covered with sores, and when the sores ulcerated, the stench was unbearable. The, their vocal cords would ulcerate, leaving the voice hoarse and raspy. The great damage from leprosy came from a loss of sensation, and so they would injure themselves and not even know it, they, even losing fingers and toes. The first sign of leprosy was considered a death sentence. Now, if all of that wasn't bad enough, 
this disease was considered to be very contagious. Therefore, if you had leprosy, you were not allowed to be around other people. You had to stay separated from the, the rest of the general population. And so these 10 guys banded together. They, they couldn't go around the crowd, couldn't go around community, and so they kind of just joined up to make life more bearable. Have you ever noticed that uh, we tend to be drawn to people who are going through the same drama as we have in our life. People tend to be drawn to people who are going through the same kind of calamity, it seems. We, that, that they have these similarities and bonds them together. So these 10 people who've known much rejection hung out together. They had something in common, the disease that, that brought them together. But they weren't just sick. They weren't just ill. There was a stigma surrounding a leper. They were considered unclean, defiled, cursed by God. That's how they, it appeared to, to some, that they had been cursed. And oftentimes you'd find them standing off on the outskirts of a village, away from everybody else, in a terrible, terrible existence. But something special happened to them that is recorded here in the Bible. Now, there they are minding their own business, doing their thing, and, and hanging out amongst themselves. And verse 12 says, they stood afar off. And, you know, and that kind of caught my eye as I, I just imagined them always in the outskirts, always standing afar off. And I wonder how many people listening today, whether online or here in this, in this place, can relate to what it feels like to stand afar off. Maybe because of whatever drama is going on in your life, you felt afar off. You, you don't feel connected. You, you don't feel apart. You find yourself standing afar off. And, and even some perhaps have come to church and, and, but really haven't been able to connect, and really maybe haven't been able to find a ministry or find a way to fit in or find a way to plug in and have felt afar off. But the good news is that God loves to connect with people who are afar off. He, he loves to connect with people who feel like outsiders, who feel like they're outcast, people who aren't plugged in necessarily. So these men are outcasts, and they're standing afar off, and it says they lifted up their voices. And you have to imagine it's a very polite way of saying they shouted. <laughs> they lift up their voices and say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. <laughs> they begin to open their mouths and cry out to God. And you know, there are times in our lives when we need to just open our mouths and get God's attention and cry out to God. There are moments in our lives when we are not going to be quiet and polite when it comes to expressing our need for God's mercy in our life. There are times when the pain gets bad enough, when, when the drama gets harmful enough, when the situation gets difficult enough that, that you will cry out, Jesus, I need you. So many people look to other people to be their answer. So many people look to programs to be their solution. How we need to look to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because he alone can transform a life. <laughs> I, I find it interesting in this passage that these guys don't just say Jesus. 
I mean, some people just want Jesus, you know, the rescuer, Jesus the savior, Jesus to save them from a burning hell. But these guys are smart enough. <laughs> I mean, they were messed up. They, they had a disease, they were outcasts, they had no connection with family, no opportunity to work, no ability to go to the temple to worship, no ability to enjoy life and community. But they were smart enough to, not only to cry out to Jesus, but to acknowledge him as master. I mean, some of us need to come to a place in our life where we acknowledge him as master, Lord. I'm yielding my life to you. And when, when they said master, they were really saying two things. Number one, they were identifying the very nature of who he is. And secondly, that they were willing to do whatever he said. So they said, Master, I love that in this story. Master, how many, how many people miss out on God's highest and best for their lives because they refuse to just give him total control over their lives? I mean, think about whatever, what is that situation? Who is that person? What, what is that habit that keeps you from, from just yielding your life to him, just allowing him to take charge and change your life? They said, Jesus Master. And then they said, have mercy on us. <laughs> have mercy on us. How we need the mercy and grace of God every day. Mercy, grace, is unearned. It's undeserved favor. Mercy's what woke us up this morning. <laughs> mercy, it, it, when, when we woke up this morning, it, the Bible says he gives you mercies, grace, Sufficient for each day, new mercies every day, morning by morning, new mercies I see. There's a fresh batch of mercy every single day for us. These guys cried out to the creator of mercy. They know who has mercy. And verse 14 says, so when Jesus saw them, sometimes I think it's just enough to know that when we pray, he sees us. He sees us. Verse 14, so when Jesus saw them, just to know that when you're in an outcast position, when you've got something that no one else can help you, uh, it's just good to know that when you cry out to him, he sees you, no matter how badly you fall to the ground, how hard you hit the ditch, how habitual your habit, how hopeless the situation, he will see you. He's a God who sees you in the dark, who sees you drowning in debt, who sees you at the lowest of lows. He's a God who will see you. It says he saw them. And then the text says he gave them instructions. Verse 14 says, when he saw them, he, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. Simple instruction, right? Go. It, 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 to which they must have thought, go and show them what? <laughs> I mean, there's nothing to show. And besides that, the priests aren't all that anxious to see us. I mean, nobody's anxious to see us. But Jesus said, go to the priest. It's a simple, uh, a simple direction. Go to church. Go find the priest. And there's such a significance about this statement, though, because go to the priest. When a leprous person or someone with a communicable disease found themselves in a situation like this, in order for them to be declared able to go back out into community and into the general population, they had to be healed, and that healing was validated by the priest. 
So they could not go to the priest, you know, until they were healed. That was the caveat. You didn't go until you were healed. And so they gave them, he gave them instructions that defied common logic. They had leprosy, but they weren't supposed to go to the priest in a leprous situation. They weren't supposed to go until they were healed. But Jesus knew if they just obeyed what he said, by the time they get to the priest, by the time they got to where they're going, if they just obey what he said, it'll be all right. See, their willingness to go, even before they knew the outcome, would be just an amazing statement of, of great faith. But if they went and nothing happened, I mean, it would certainly make fools of the lepers. So there's really a lot at stake, and there's a lot behind this request to go. I thought, what do you do when you come in a situation where God seems to ask you something that defies common logic? What do you do in a situation like that? Craig Groeschel said this. He said, I believe Christians often perceive obedience to God as some test designed just to see if we're really committed to him. But what if it's designed as God's way of giving us what's best for us? Good thought. And the text says, and so it was, that as they went, they were cleansed. I mean, what an example of walking by faith. If you want to know what walking by faith looks like, here it is. They responded to the promise and the prompting of Jesus even before they knew the outcome. That's what it means to walk by faith. But the text says that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, said, in essence, wait a minute, I've got to go back. He's, he's, he, let me go back and thank him. I mean, he was sharp enough that while he's on his way, and I just imagine he's looking himself over and seeing himself being healed, and he's realizing, I need to go back and say thank you. I need to go. I mean, some of us need to go back while we're on our journey, return that thanks to God and just, and, and just express our gratitude to God. And this one guy says, let me go back. I'm going back to say thank you to God. He completed that gratitude loop, you could say. He filled the gap. <laughs> he connected the dots, the dots. And in verse 15, it says, and one of them, when he was healed, and with a loud voice, glorified God. When he saw he was healed, he glorified God. No more social distancing. Right? He threw himself at Jesus' feet. He wasn't content to just feel grateful. He expressed it. He demonstrated it. And, and think about it. As much as this guy was just as ready as everyone else to get, go on living you know, with, the, with the living, living among the living, you could say, get on with his life, put all of the awfulness behind him. As much as he wanted to go forward in his life, he knew he needed to, to close that gratitude gap, that gratitude circle. I mean, after all, he'd just been given his life back. So he did what we all need to do. He went back to thank the one who enabled him to go forward. And he, Luke <laughs> continues, was a Samaritan. Interesting little detail that the, the writer, Luke, puts in here. 
The implication is the other nine were not. The implication is this man had experienced uh, alienation and discrimination on multiple levels. This man was a Samaritan. I mean, I think he was extra grateful. And I think the reason for this added detail that we find here comes to light when you read all of Luke's gospel because over and over, Luke highlights Jesus' encounters with people that are outcasts, people that are on the edge, people that are, are down and outers. And, and over and over, I mean, he, he, they describe people that the first century audience would never expect Jesus to have anything to do with. And over and over, it was the outsiders, it was the down and outers who expressed the most gratitude. I mean, they knew all too well how ungrateful or how unworthy or undeserving they were. I mean, their pride and their busyness did not get in the way of them, uh, of them making an effort to express their gratitude, to, especially to Jesus. Interestingly, the incident doesn't end here. Jesus asked a question. <laughs> he said, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? And of course, Jesus isn't expecting an answer. He's just making a stinging observation. Something's missing, right? Something's incomplete. Something's unfinished. Someone's missing. <laughs> Some ones are missing. The other nine missed an important moment. The other nine missed their opportunity. Something was incomplete, unfinished, but now the window to close it is closed. Now, if you're a parent, you understand what Jesus is getting at here. When you were a kid, for example, and somebody gave you a gift and your parents were standing right there, what was the first thing your parents would say? They'd say, say thank you, right? As in, right now. There's kind of like an urgency to it. They would, they'd say, say thank you right now. Say thank you. I close the circle. Connect the, the dots. And this is Jesus' point. I mean, the other nine missed the moment, and the moment had passed. How ungrateful. I mean, think about it. Their entire uh, destiny had been changed. Apart from Jesus and his uh, intervention, they're going to spend the rest of their lives eking out a living in a miserable existence uh, in the middle of nowhere, but now they've been restored to their families, they could work again, they could be in community again, they could worship, and where are they? I mean, when we read this passage, we respond the same way Jesus did. Yeah, where are those guys? But I imagine that if someone had questioned them about their apparent lack of gratitude, I imagine that they would have been quick to respond with, what? We are not ungrateful. We are so grateful. Our hearts are filled with gratitude. See, the other nine had to have felt it, right? They had so much restored to them. But the problem is, like us sometimes, they felt it. They just didn't express it. And Jesus, like us, was baffled. And he asked, has no one returned and give praise to God except this foreigner? Only one returner? <laughs> and then he turned back to the one who'd returned, and he said, rise and go. And of course, this is the second time that Jesus has told him to go. <laughs> 
but this time there'd be no reason to return because the gratitude loop was filled in. It was connected. It was complete. And then Jesus' final statement, your faith has made you well. So a question for us to consider leading up to Thanksgiving, is expressing your gratitude difficult for you? It, are you more comfortable with pointing out how something could be better uh, rather than recognizing how good it really is? Gratitude is a sign of maturity, right, and humility. I mean, we all know that, that we would not be where we are today apart from the help and support of other people. So going back to Luke's account, let's be the one rather than the nine. Let's be the one who went back to thank the one who enabled him to move forward. So here's another question. Who has helped you move forward? Who helps you? move forward? Have you thanked them lately? When someone tells your story, will it be the story of the one or of the nine? But the good news is you get to decide, and you decide that one expression of gratitude at a time. So let's be the one that returns to say thank you. Let's stand together. This morning as we sing this uh, last song together, um, obviously the altar is open. If you need to talk to Christ, maybe he's been moving in your life over the last couple of weeks as we've celebrated baptisms or through Nancy's message this morning and you'd like to just talk to him, the altars are open. You can bring a friend. You can pray right where you are, but our God uh, deserves our praise. He deserves our thanks uh, for all that he gives us and shows us. But uh, sing this song with me. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Indeed I find Thy power and thine alone Can change the leper's spots And melt the heart of stone Jesus paid it all All to him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white it's washed away 
standing incomplete. Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall still repeat. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow. Sing this out. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. God is good, and all the time. I have a few announcements. It might take a while. If you want to sit down, you can, but if not, that's okay, too. So yesterday, we had an amazing craft fair here at the church. Uh, I know many of you, you came, and uh, many of you contributed to that. And so the very first thing, since we just talked about showing gratitude this morning, is I want to show some gratitude to, to Wendy Farrington for putting it on. Wendy, could you come up really, really quickly? Uh, yeah, isn't she great? Uh, so, so Wendy helped organize all this, and, and they were her and Larry were here a lot. But we're just thanking Wendy because we like her better. Um, but uh, <laughs> and, and they were measuring things and putting all these and and dealing with all the vendors and doing all this to benefit the the students to go to NYC. Uh, in 2023 and and so we raised quite a bit and I'll tell you how much in a second but I just want to from the youth ministry say thank you so much for all the hard work that you did for us 
I'm much better up here singing than talking, but I just want to tell you guys, <laughs> no, that's okay. You ha we have a great group of uh, teens in this church. They were here yesterday at 7 in the morning, busting their butts, helping vendors bring stuff in, and they were here until 3 o'clock when I left, and some probably maybe later than that, I don't know, but they were amazing, and any of you that are parents of teens need to be really proud. Yes, the teens were amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. So you can, unless you want to stay. I mean, you know. Uh, so, yeah, for, yeah, thank you. If, you. if you baked things and you brought it in or uh, if you got a table and set up and, you know, all these different ways that, that you helped, thank you so much. We were able to raise, and the exact numbers aren't in, but just, just under about $1,800 is the estimation at this point. And so to, to put it in, in perspective, that is essentially paying one, uh, for one student to go to NYC. Uh, and so we'll be doing fundraisers and stuff from now until then. The next one coming up is going to be in December. Uh, it's, a, it's an auction, a dessert auction, silent auction. If you want to help with that or if you have questions about that, talk to Kelly Miner. She's, she's kind of overseeing that. Um, but there will be stuff we, we need for that as well. Um, what else is there? Oh, I have so many announcements. So many. So this is the kind of the time of the year that we, we like to think about giving to, to those in the community that are in need. And so I just wanted to bring the church's attention to uh, several opportunities for that. Look, I can open this and hold the microphone. They, they cover that in Bible college. Uh, so uh, first thing is, well, actually, there's a couple. Before I talk about the, the good opportunities to give, uh, if you're part of Hank's group, we're, uh, they're not meeting today. Hank is not feeling well, so we want to keep uh, him in your prayers, but they're, they're not meeting today after church if you have not yet been aware of that. Uh, and then December 3rd here at the church, from it's a Saturday from 10 to noon, we are decorating for, for Christmas. And so if you are available on Saturday, December 3rd from 10 to noon to help decorate, uh, please, please come and join with that. Uh, and now as far as the opportunities to give. So as you probably noticed when you came in uh, to church this morning, there is the giving tree out there. It's got lots of tags on there. Um, some look like this. This is uh, from the Salvation Army. Uh, and they open up just like that. So they're taped. And then to kind of open up to see everything, you just kind of peel it away. Uh, and then there's other, that, uh, other tags on there that go towards like the, the families for light from Lighthouse School. And so if you uh, are able, grab a tag, put your name and, and the tag number uh, on there, and then bring it back by December 11th. Okay, and if you grab, here's another important thing, if you grab a Salvation Army one, do not bring it back wrapped, because then we'll have to unwrap it before we take it to Salvation Army. And I think the rule is if you unwrap a present, you get to keep it, and so if we have to unwrap them and then so anyway, uh, all right, so that's that. And then the other opportunities in the community is uh, our church has what we call a one in 100 fund. Uh, and it's something that we use. Uh, it's an emergency fund to help people in our church community facing crisis situations. Uh, and so there's, if you want to give to that, on our website, there's a, um, when you give, there's a drop down. You just choose one in 100. And then we also have our Life Essentials Ministry. Uh, that provides food and clothing for people in the community that are in need. You can give, uh, donate clothes, winter items I know they're looking for currently to that, or food items. Uh, if you have any questions about that, talk to Zahir or Ellen. They can, they can help you out. Uh, and also, if you want to give financially to that, same way on the church website. And I think, I think that's all of it. So it didn't take as long as I thought. 
So let, let me pray for you all, and, and we'll, we'll leave for today. Lord God, just thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your, your love and your grace that is continually poured out upon us. We pray that your spirit be continually present with us here in this church and as we go into uh, just our daily lives, Lord, into our jobs, into our homes and our families, Lord. I just pray that your presence would be with us and we would find opportunities to show gratitude towards one another and towards you and to show your love and your grace to the world. And we pray this in your name. Go in peace. Jesus.